Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by Will Murden. How's it going today on this later than usual preview show for week four, Will? It's gone really good, man. Uh, finally a bit of heat, 30 degrees today. Yeah, it felt weird though. It was like windy and stormy. I think there's rain coming tomorrow, but yeah, a bit of heat on the way. Who am I kidding? I didn't leave the office. Yeah, so exactly. I was only on my way to the studio that I've actually noticed that it is actually nice and good to be out and about, but it's a sign of good things to come. And you would have just had that air conditioner on at a frosty 21 degrees, 22 degrees, uh, just burning those fossil fuels, mate. Something like that. <laughs> All right. Now, we have got a massive, massive week of college football, and we are going to get to all the massive games of which there are a lot and even outside of the the top heavy hitters there is a decent slate of middling competitions that'll be interesting just about every team by this stage almost it feels like at the end of week three is going to have played in in some sort of significant game whether it's in conference against power five something of relevance so uh, it, it it's shaping up as a really, really big, big week four. Yeah, certainly. I think last week we didn't have that top end, but I mentioned that there were a lot of really interesting games at that second level, where this week you've got both. Yeah. Like there, there is a few marquee matchups. We've got three ranked opponents going up against each other this time, but below that there are still a, a whole bunch of intriguing games where we're going to see some weird stuff happen we're going to see some interesting results and i'm looking forward to watching it play out cool all right so let's get into a little bit of well, there's not a lot of news going on around in college football at the moment that you know we've talked about all the injuries uh in terms of all the sort of think pieces and all the fluff pieces they're sort of done a little bit but they're also getting slotted in pretty regularly because of the lack of uh, quality matchups, I suppose. Yeah, there's the pay-for-play sort of deal going oh, on. Oh, yeah, we actually haven't spoken about that, which is probably New- worth mentioning. New York uh, having a bill coming out, I think, now that talks about allowing colleges to distribute funds evenly across all of their athletic programs or something of that nature. So there is a bit of momentum, I feel, in that for space. For what? What's the exchange for that? So they can... So they can uh, distribute those funds evenly across college but what who how are they making that money i suppose in the first place well, so selling likenesses was that the i kind guess of key, yeah key term I, I haven't really looked into the details of it it was slightly different to the bill that california had proposed but it was again something in that space that's moving towards paying players is this just a matter of time because these bills keep coming out it almost seems like annually Is it going to eventually happen? Is this just the way it's going? 100% it is a matter of time. I just really hope that they find the right balance for it. And I think they will. They're they're taking their time. I mean, frustratingly so from a fan of NCAA football game. Yeah. That's my major driver in this whole thing. (laughs) There's obviously a lot more to it than that. But yeah, there's that whole argument about losing that college, like pride and tradition. Well, not so much tradition, but that passion that goes into it because... The NFL is about money, and you, you see that. That's the main driver for players. Like, who is it? Jalen Ramsey at the moment is just a complete dick. Like, he rocks up to their training camp preseason in an armored vehicle, steps out, and is like, pay me my money. Yeah, yeah. And like, what is that all about? You want someone who's for their team. You want someone who's for something bigger than themselves and like has an ultimate goal of winning a championship. That's what sports is about. Well, I remember when Ndama Kung Su left Detroit and he just said to his agent, 
I just want the biggest contract you can get me. I don't care where it is. I don't have to like the coach. I don't have to like the location. Who's going to pay me the most? I have got my reservations about it. And I know that you always lean that way because the unknown is always scarier than the known, I suppose. But there's also this concern that players, it will change the landscape of college football. There's this concern that you're going to empower players to a point where they're going to be able to leave and and move as much as they want, which some people believe they should be able to. I don't. I like the fact that you're supposed to pick a financial institution as a a student and and you should be loyal to them, uh, providing you know outside of the exceptions an educational institution not a financial one sorry <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking We're money not picking I'm just thinking money. yeah sorry educational institution uh so you know i would be a little bit concerned if if it's money and reimbursements then i guess i can i can come at that providing that is somewhat managed yeah there's got to be a middle ground in there somewhere yeah. where there is you know, more money dispersed to these guys. Because you hear these stories of these guys, you know, struggling to pay their bills whilst on yeah. the team. I think a lot of that is shit, especially at the big programs. I mean, I've seen it firsthand. These kids are driving around in really nice cars and I'm kind of thinking, where the fuck is this money coming from? But, yeah. like, that happens. I think there is certainly a spot for these guys to probably earn a little bit more back from the institutions. Because, like... Some of these schools are making a billion dollars in revenue across a year off of mainly the football program. So I think there's probably a little bit more that can go around, but it needs to be balanced. We don't want to create a huge rift as well between those that are able to pull in that huge revenue and the rest, because that divide that we've already got in the sports about the haves and haves nots is only going to get wider. And, and I don't think that's what we want. No, I don't think so either. And that is a massive, massive risk. And I know you say that some of these programs make money, and they do. The Ohio States, the Texases, the Alabamas of the world do. But majority of Division One football still runs at a loss. Um, and, and a lot of academic departments still run at a loss, which is not ideal. But, you know, we just want the sport to continue, and, and we really like it. But whichever way that direction goes, we don't want it to compromise uh, what college football is. And, and that is, it's about young men... Uh, getting an opportunity to represent their schools, represent their hometowns a lot of the time. And maybe it's a stepping stone to the NFL, but for a vast majority, that's not the case. I'm sure we can deep dive on this. Uh, We could go on and on and on, but let's move on a little bit. We did want to have a chat about some teams that are feeling or should be feeling a little bit disrespected. So yes, we're only kind of two to three games into the college football season, but most teams uh, in that top 25, uh, well, certainly at the top, are feeling like they've probably had a little bit of conversation about them. There's certainly some really, really good teams that maybe are not getting the love on a national scale that they deserve. Yeah, I mean, this is one that dawned upon me when I was having a look at uh, where I'm going to throw my money this week. And I, I, I saw... Not some... for the benefit of the show, just for your gambling. Well, for the show. My, my gambling goes towards this show. People know they pick against it and they make money. So <laughs> okay. that's great. But whilst looking through this, I did notice that uh, Oklahoma State were only three and a half point underdogs traveling on the road to the number 12 ranked team in the nation. I thought that doesn't quite add up. You've got a team that's unranked up against a you know 12 ranked team on the road, only giving up that amount of points. There seems to be a bit of injustice. So I thought probably worth us talking through these other teams that we haven't really heard about a lot this year or that have shown a lot, but 
don't seem to be getting the love from media or the polls or whatever it is. So maybe to kick things off, is there anyone that jumps out from you straight away? I think generally the Pac-12, to be honest with you, I think Utah's sitting there at 10 and they are perennially... No, dis, not disregarded, but certainly not thought of particularly highly. Uh, mainly probably because of their lack of flashy offense. Uh, but not only that, speaking, you know, you've got a team in the Pac-12 with a really flashy offense, and that's Washington State. And Mike Leach has had them ranked almost from go to woe for the last kind of two years. And they still are not getting massive, massive amount of noise, and they continue not to. Uh, you've got Cal in there at number 23, Arizona State at number 24. Probably those teams, to me, are underappreciated and undervalued. Having said that, the issue with the Pac-12 is those teams have all got fatal flaws. Even you look at Utah, their ability to be able to score points consistently against the big dogs and against the teams that do have uh, a talent advantage they they don't appear to to hold up that well uh and and you know the same goes for arizona state that offensive line is a mess california's offense in general is a bit of a mess uh, so while they're ranked and while they pull out some good wins there's just they're not exciting enough or not consistent enough across their entire team to be able to warrant getting souped up about what's going on in the pac-12 yeah and i'd probably counter that with the big 12 I mean, I feel like they've only got the three in the rankings at the moment with Oklahoma, who are genuinely considered a good team and floating around the top five mark. Texas, who had that marquee matchup and and still in. And then TCU have squeaked in at 25 this week. I mean, I think the Big 12 last week went something like seven and nine in their matchups out of conference. They had some really good wins, like Kansas showing up and beating Boston. That, that's a huge win for the conference. West Virginia getting over NC State. Uh, Kansas State beating Mississippi State. These were all great, you know, power five matchups that the lower rung teams were able to get up on. The Big 12's looking all right. And then to only have the three teams in, like Kansas State still out, Oklahoma State not in, uh, it just seems like there's a gen- general feeling that the Big 12 is not as good at the moment. And that's possibly warranted a little bit. I mean, the Big 12 has had that reputation of being high-powered offense, but continually, and it always starts at the top, and continually Oklahoma shows that they can't handle it at the top with the competition around the SEC, uh, around the Big 10 that are known for a little bit more defenses. Yeah, but that's, then, that's a bit harsh because, I mean, you'd say the same thing about, what, Georgia against Alabama. Like, they're, they're not able to handle it at the top because they can't get over Alabama. No, I, I don't mean name. necessarily Alabama. It's just that, well, yeah, okay. Because, like, Oklahoma are making the playoffs. I've done it two years in a row. And, and been torched and, both times. Or actually not torched yeah, both times. But, I, I, think, yeah. I think respectable in, in their efforts there. So I think they're a good team. And I think what you also see in the bowl matchups, Big 12 dominates. Yeah. Like in these bowl matchups, Big 12 dominates. So we say, oh, yeah, their offense is everything. The D is no good, but then they get shown up. But I, I just Dude, don't I'm see okay where they... the Big 12. You are. Look yeah, at you. This I, is, I, I guess is a... what I'm saying, I don't see where they get shown up because whenever they get an opportunity at a conference, they seem to come out on top. Like, don't get me wrong. They're not blasting teams. They're, they're not massively disrespected. But I think... When the ledger comes in, they should be a little bit more ahead than where they are. Okay, so what about... The, okay, so talking about this 
I mean, it's a, it's a Big 12 matchup, so Texas versus Oklahoma State. But you you talked at the top about that being a two-and-a-half-point Texas are the home favourite. Uh, three, three and a half. Three and yep. a half points. What would be an appropriate line then for Texas or an appropriate spread for Texas at home against an unranked Oklahoma State? What do you think? Is, is seven points well, enough? Or? I don't know. So let's have a look and say Army or maybe Michigan State, Michigan State, Memphis. They're, they're the other ones that are around where Oklahoma State are receiving votes at the moment. What would you have the line for that? Well, Michigan State can't score on offense. But so, they're really good on D. Yeah, I mean, they are really good on D. But like, and I hear it's like strength versus strength, shot versus shot. But, but I would like have... I, I would I would have Michigan. Uh, sorry, Texas as a ten point favorite, hmm. even in that. Yeah, or maybe not quite that high. You probably I'd say probably disrespecting uh, Michigan State a fraction. Probably yeah, it would be at least a touchdown though. I would think. Hmm. So I, I don't know. That that just seemed odd. I think. What's happening in that one is more around the trend. So Oklahoma State have won in Austin, I think, the last five or four of the last five times they've gone down there. They've, they've had really good results down there, and that plays into where these lines get set. Um, the, the last thing that I would add is that we don't have enough data yet as well. There's a lot of, you know, we look at, the, yeah, they're three lost teams, but one's an FCS team, one's a, a lower, you know, group of five teams. So... There's still a lot of information to come in, and I think this week clears up a lot of that. Yeah, certainly. Uh, so on that note then, unless you have got anything further to any other teams that you think are disrespected, there's probably a couple of Big Ten teams here that could feel like they could move up a yeah, bit. Yeah, Notre Dame as well, I think. We, we kind of talked offline. Yeah, yep, for sure. I mean, Notre Dame had that vaunted defense last year, and that's not the case so much this year, and, and Ian Book is doing a pretty good job uh, offensively. And they've handled who they've need to needed to handle so far this year. So, yeah, I mean, Notre Dame isn't getting talked about, even though they are perennially talked about. They're up there with the kind of USC's, uh, the, dare I say it, Miami's is sometimes being that overrated team or certainly talked about a lot. Texas, Michigan falls into that bracket as well. And, and Notre Dame hasn't had that love this year. Yeah, no, not this year. Which they uh, might like, actually, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to this week, though, right? If if they can get a win in Athens that I'm sure we're about to talk about, yep. uh, that all changes real quick. All right, so let's jump across into some of those matchups. So we talked about this team. Now, this is a Saturday morning game here in Australia. So number 10, Utah, go down and visit USC in LA. So that is a 10.30 kick. Utah are two and a half point favourites in that game. I think it's blown out to four. Oh, four points has it. I apologise. Yep. Good to see I know where my lines sit. Uh, I don't have a lot of faith in USC. We, I think that has been well documented. I don't know what version of Keaton Slovis we're going to get. They, they could come in and really set the world on fire. But I think to beat a team like uh, Utah, which is a fantastic defence, you've got to have balance on offence. Now... You know, balance doesn't mean you necessarily run and pass the same. I don't necessarily agree with that. But you have to be able to run the ball. You've got to be able to uh, to be able to move the chains and, and give your defense a bit of a rest. And USC haven't been able to do that. And likewise, Utah are only just crushing teams against the run. Uh, yeah, Zach Moss, one of my favorite players all of college football this year. Yeah, so they're, they're stopping the run and they're running the ball as well. So now, whilst... You, 
Utah can't win down there, apparently. Uh, I still think... I think this is the year. I think this is the year for the Utes. 103-year streak that they have gone without winning at the Coliseum or in the city of LA. So they've never won. Never, no. And, and that goes back to starting in 1916, which is just incredible when you think about it. So that's why I'm steering well clear of this one on the punt. <laughs> I mean, Utah feels right, like the right pick. We, we saw... Like, we have... A great comparison here. Both teams have played against BYU at BYU. Utah won pretty comfortably in the end. Yeah, they did. USC lost. So you see that and you go, oh, I've I've, I've got enough. But uh, I don't think that's the case in this one. We've we've got something. And it's going to be a good watch because I think... There is, this has the sneaky feeling of ups and downs all over the shop, heartbreak potentially for Utah. I'm, I'm hoping they can get it done. I really hope that this is their year. I hope it's all pulling together for them. Uh, I was kind of curious to see, and I mentioned last week, that for USC, it was a pivotal matchup against BYU for their season. If they could stamp their authority, they could then charge forward and you know get themselves back on course of as being a real powerhouse, they didn't. They did the opposite to what that was and, and what I thought they needed to do. And as a result, they're, they're in big strife now. So for me, it's, it's all Utah here. I, I'm concerned of the weird stuff that's going to go down, but I, I, I'm backing in the Utes to get the job done. I'd, I'm, I'm almost... I'm feeling supremely confident about a couple of picks this week. And this is one. I'm saying Utah cover... And it comes down to this. Which coach do you feel more comfortable about? Kyle Whittingham or Clay Helton? I mean, that goes without saying. Okay. Which defense do you feel better about? It Utah is. or USC? It is Utah, yeah. Which quarterback do you feel more comfortable with? Keaton Slovis or Tyler Huntley? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely Huntley. Okay. And which you know, which running back do you feel more comfortable yeah, with? Yeah, I mean, it's guess. Where, where do you give the advantage to USC I suppose yeah like how far do we have to go down this list until I mean we can probably be like, a wide receiver but you've got to be able to get them the ball yeah uh, and Slovis could do that I mean at yeah, home he, could. It, it's, he showed a lot his first game and, and we could go back to seeing that they were really good against Stanford yeah Stanford's they were not a bad team they're a well coached team they are who's a better coach yeah, it's not that who losses. has a better defense yeah, well, you know what I mean like if, if yeah, we stack yeah. that up against Stanford but that said yeah yeah I'm taking Utah at a canter here. Oh, not at a canter. That's a bit harsh. But I'm taking Utah. And I'm steering clear. <laughs> okay. But I hope Utah. All right. Now, this is potentially one of the biggest matchups of the weekend. I fly to Japan uh, only five hours after this game kicks off. So I may get up for it. But it's a 1.30 kick on Sunday morning, uh, and which makes it a, a midday kickoff in the States. Number- it is the big noon kickoff. The, bi- the big noon kickoff. What a... Jericho. I'm buying into it. I like it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, it is big. How do you go getting ready for that as a player? I mean, we've spent a lot of time playing sport now and everything's in the afternoon. To like, to me, it feels like a big deal. I guess these guys are... Well, maybe they're not used to it, actually, to be honest. Did a lot you of ever them... have to play the Friday night games for footy? Have yeah, I did. Play? And that felt very different. Fucking weird, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like, you got to work. Yeah, yeah. And then play... It, it, yeah. it does throw things out, so it's definitely a factor. Um, but number 11, Michigan, head to... Uh, Madison, Wisconsin, uh, to take on the number 13 team in the country. Uh, And again, I don't think I'm going to think too hard and long about this. I don't see a world in which Jack Cohn is going to be a winning quarterback against the Michigan Wolverines. Really? Yeah, I just... 
you know, obviously Jonathan Taylor is going to be the guy and and we were concerned about the Michigan defense and all the pieces they lost uh, along the defensive line with Winovich and Dem White and all those guys. We knew all that, but their defense has actually been slowly progressing and they've been better and better, uh, you know, in in their two games over the start of the course, uh, the course of the year. So I feel like they're going to be able to, you know, take Jonathan Taylor away and then make Jack Cohn go and win the game through the air. Now, don't get me wrong, Wisconsin have got a fantastic receiver on the outside in uh, Quintez Cephas. They've got some pieces. I'm not disputing that. I just think today is the day that Michigan, with their scratchy start, particularly offensively, don't get me that wrong, they haven't looked like well betters, but today's the day that they're going to put it together uh, and... Shea Patterson, although I'm not a believer in that offensive system, will get it going enough to beat Wisconsin. I am on the complete other side of this than uh, you. Okay. I, I did not see that at all. So let's go back the last three games. So I want to include the end of last year. So if we look at the bowl games of each team. Yeah, I'm not played. buying into that Michigan yeah. bowl game. No, okay. So they got uh, stomped out by Florida. They did. Uh, 41-15. Wisconsin, on the other hand, trashed Miami. Yeah. So that builds a, a bit of momentum into the off-season. Some negative, some I've, positive. I've never bought into that. And that's okay. We'll, 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 push past we that. won't dive into that. <laughs> but I mean, that, for me, that, that is a bit of a factor because then we've seen what's happened either side. So Wisconsin have had uh, a nice amount of structure at their program. They haven't had a lot of turnover from the coaching side of things. And that's really shown their first two games. Yes, they've only played USF, who's not a bad team. They played them on the road. And Central Michigan, again, like not a not a good team, but not a terrible one. They have smacked them. Yeah, they have. Absolutely. To the tune of, what is it, 110 to nothing so far this year. Michigan on the other side, bit of turnover. So they've still got a new head boy, but they got in a new offensive coordinator. Which has been a little bit messy. It has been messy. They played yeah. Middle Tennessee, who I would say, uh, you know... I mean, they're okay. They went they're to the okay, championship game last year. Yeah, so that was 40-21. to 21, So they, they gave up 21 points there. Then they played Army, which can be a tough matchup because of how they play the game. But again, had had to go to overtime to win that one. They have been far from convincing. There's There's been oh. a lot that they need to work through. And you can add to that penalties and turnovers for Michigan as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And Wisconsin have been the complete opposite you're gonna you're gonna change my opinion here but yeah push on so when you've got such a dominant team playing at home who are are just firing on all cylinders with the best running back in college football and a team that like yeah their defense is supposed to be good but they lost a lot of playmakers on that side there's dudes finding their feet they're giving up points they're giving up three touchdowns a game three touchdowns might be enough because wisconsin's defense i think is talking about disrespected, I, I think it's really good. Really, really good. And it has been for a number of years. So for mine, like Wisconsin are going to show, everything points to me that they're the better team in this one and they're really going to show it this week at home. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, makes sense. I think it's going to be a relatively low scoring game. You can see like a 24-28. I think it's going to be close. Uh, I just, everything in the past for me has gone to picking the safe pick, which makes sense to be Wisconsin. They're doing everything right. They're almost the anti-Michigan. They're not turning the ball over. They control the clock really well. They don't look skittish and hectic and disjointed on offense. They know exactly what they're doing, and that's pretty much get the ball from the center to the quarterback, and the quarterback gets it 
um, to Jonathan Taylor. And I, I use that flippantly. Jack Cohn's actually had a really, really good start to the year. Uh, but I just... There's something about Michigan that I think could come in and just light it up. That their X, they've got a higher ceiling than I think Wisconsin does. Their floor is far lower, but I think you you play those two tune-up games uh, and you play them to get yourself in shape for games like this. And Michigan will come out and I think they'll do a really really good job. It'll come down to the fourth quarter, but what happens from there? I don't know. It's it's going to take some turnovers. I'm going to say something funky will happen. I'm going to say Michigan win on like it'll be like a, a scoop and score or a, something like that. Yeah. Okay. And and like I see where you're coming from with the higher ceiling and and that's the case. But I don't think it is a switch that you can just flip. Uh, and like sometimes weird stuff will happen and it'll go your way. But I just. One team has been so dominant and the other one not so much that I think this is as much Wisconsin is a very good football team and that's why they're going to win. As, like It's more that than it is Michigan no good. But what I think is really interesting is like for this one, you've kind of gone the flip. The last game we talked about, USC-Utah, I'm still on Utah, but I'm very much more that's where I see the weirdness coming. Like yeah, yeah. That's where I have a strong feeling that uh, USC are going to pull something here. Nah, I, yeah. Yeah, oh, well, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's gonna, that, that we see that playing out that way. But actually not a lot of dis... Like, there's a lot of similarities, sorry, between the two games and the stock, like just where both of those teams are at emotionally, playing-wise, all those sorts of things. We do need to keep moving along, so we've got a good slot at the 5 o'clock time slot here in Adelaide. Uh, number 8, Auburn, head to College Station to take on number 17, Texas A&M. Uh, I don't really know how I feel about this game. I am a big Bo Nix believer. I think they are settling in as a team. That defensive front is going to do similar things to what Clemson did. I think you saw a game plan that can undo Texas A&M where they're going to ha- you're going to have to make them put the hands in sorry, make them put the ball in the hands of Kellen Mond and make him pass the ball down the field to beat you, something that he couldn't do against Clemson. Uh, now while Auburn doesn't probably have the talent across the board, certainly their defensive line is pro- as good if not better actually. Uh, they probably don't have the pieces at the linebacker position, but I'm, um, you know, they've still got a lot of good pieces defensively. So I see Auburn getting getting this one done. Okay, yeah. See, I'm not with you on this one either. Oh god, this is good. This we is going to be a good in, week of we college. Yeah, not in sync. So I'm on the Aggies in this one. Uh, I think you're right. Auburn's defensive line is special, but outside of that, there's not much there. Bo Nix is a freshman who could regress at any point or or have, I'm not saying regress fully, but have an off week. And if there's ever a time to do it, it's when you're going up against 110,000 screaming maniacs at Kyle Field. For me, I think you're right. The game plan will be make Kellen Mond win it. And I think this is the week that he does. I just, I'm not throwing my bold prediction out there. I'm I'm not putting that in there. (laughs) But I think this we're going to see something from him this week. I think there's going to be yards in the air, yards on the ground. He's going to be the difference maker, and that's why A and M will get away with a win in this one. You know, the only thing, the only person that I see as the difference maker, Braden Mann. What a punter that guy is. Well, you say what, that, Aaron Sipos. <laughs> yeah, and Braden <laughs> Mann's numbers this year, well down. True, true. Well down. So he's outside the top twenty at the minute. 
This is the, the reigning Ray Guy Award winner for those of you out there who don't follow the punting game as much well, as we do You've got to follow punting. Here. We're in the punting corner right now. Absolutely. So, so uh, I think that Sipos is the better punter, at least this year. Okay. In terms of you say wise. You say that, but apparently Auburn are ranked 127th in the nation at the moment in punting. What's that stat based on? I don't know. I don't exactly know. I'd we have would to need, find We would need to dig into that a little deeper. Clarity well. Because well. Maybe their coverage my, team is just no good. I know my boy Aaron Sippers <laughs> out there is sending it. Okay, so you're saying Mond will be better than Bo Nix. And you've got two sort of almost physically similar built quarterbacks. Mond is a better runner. Bo Nix will develop into a better passer. He prefers to pass first and then run. Uh, I think this... I think this game comes down to a field goal. I think it's this game's going to move quick because both teams are going to want to run the ball and both teams are going to struggle probably at times to do that. I think the team that runs the ball best wins. Now, that is probably an obvious statement, but the team that runs the ball best will win this game uh, and... You know, it's going to be. It's again. It's probably going to have some of those moments. We we talked about moments last week, and and who can come up big in those moments when it's third and two, and you know you you get it to fourth and one. What defense is going to stand up and make the player? Is it the offense that gets that first down and moves them on? I'm yeah. I, I feel confident in Auburn. I wasn't impressed with Texas A and M against Clemson, uh, and I need to see more out of Kellen Mond before I am back on that hype train. But how exciting is this weekend? I mean, we're yeah. talking about all these games where it's you know one play here or bouncing yeah. the ball there. That's all stuff that you live for. Like yeah, you, you exactly. want to be watching those games, and we just have yeah. Like it, it looks as if there's going to be plenty of opportunity for that this weekend. Absolutely, and I'm so happy that I'm going to be airborne through this. This is I've surely t- you can watch terribly. We get you some Wi-Fi. You whack uh, it up on the laptop. Yeah, I don't know. Is that a thing? I'm I think sure so. It is a thing. Yeah, yeah. International flights these days. You have Wi-Fi, man. I'll, I'll give you the links. You'll be good. Oh, links. I'm not. I'm. I'm not issue. I'd, I'd, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just, just slot that credit card in. I'll just rack up like hundreds of dollars I'm pretty sure it's Wi-Fi. free we, what, uh, Wi-Fi Wi-Fi <laughs> Wi-Fi not familiar <laughs> with this technology <laughs> yeah exactly I mean that'd be sick because then righto I'll just plug this bad boy in and just be watching hours of college I, football I think hopefully because you get that on most domestic flights these days so surely the long haul you'll be good yeah, I'll just be reaming their bandwidth with f- two screens rolling. That, that may be the issue. <laughs> you may be having to walk up and down the aisles. Oi, fucking get off the internet, mate. I need this. I need this broadband deal. All right, number 15, UCF, coming off their massive, massive win against Stanford. Uh, head to pit, a 9 o'clock kick for them sorry check that a five o'clock kick for them uh, i don't think this will be much of a game to be honest with you i was so impressed with dylan gabriel they are an extremely well coached team uh, they got craig mccray at running back they got receivers all over the place who are you can see why ucf doesn't land like sorry you can see that ucf re- receivers aren't the high level guys they're the guys that have you know, they probably come out as a three-star guy. They're, there's something that's a little bit wrong with them. They've got the wrong body shape. They're not a six-foot-three burner, whatever the case may be. That's why they're not getting those kind of power five offers. But they're football players. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And you saw that a couple of times. That's some, a great call, actually. Some super contested catches. You never say that. Um, 
some, some super contested catches and they just and and it's the same defensively they play a little bit with a chip on their shoulder they play like they are a disrespected team and that's hard to coach in like year after year uh when you're continually having success yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah good on them and and, and josh hoipel has has done a really good job with the knights and i've got no faith in pit and their running game to be able to control the clock enough you're gonna to have to score points which means putting the ball in the hands of kenny pickett and i, I don't think this is a, a, a good matchup at all for pit so your assessment of keeping their egos in check and, and keeping that chip on the shoulder is a great segue into my take on this game and i'm super disappointed that you're not going to be here next week because we could have some great back and forth on how these played out in our predictions yeah yeah because for mine this is a huge letdown spot Oh, wow, okay. They had a really, really good win last week against Stanford, who I'm a bit down on, and and I know you are too, this year. But that was a great win for the program. They would have been really up for that one. That would have been kind of a key matchup for them going into this year. They always knew they had the Power 5 Stanford coming to town, and they're going to knock them off. After that, then, oh, yeah, whatever. We're going to pit now. We beat them last year pretty easy. We got that. For me, it just feels a massive letdown spot. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, and Pitt, I, I agree, aren't a great football team, but they're not terrible. They're a disciplined bunch, and I think they're going to cause some problems this week, and I've got UCF on massive upset alert. Is Stanford better than Pitt? And I know that's not what we just base it on. You can't just make that straight comparison, but they're kind of, to me, a little bit... Oh, I, I don't know. I just... There's yeah, I guess I'm not putting this one on the talent on the field. I think UCFs types. are a better yeah. football team. I just think that after last week and the spot that they're in, this just, to me, feels like a spot that they could run into some trouble. I mean, I just don't. They play UConn next week, which is, it's not like they're looking ahead. There's nothing in, you know, that they could get caught up in in a real trappy sort of game. I also think they're too well coached. They know that they've got to run the table. They know that they've got to come out and put on style points. And they did that against Stanford so, so well. Pitt doesn't have anything on the offensive side of the ball outside of um, Maurice French that is a real electric, dynamic uh, playmaker. And and that was the issue that Stanford had is they they just lacked the playmakers they didn't they couldn't run with them they didn't have the speed the athleticism that UCF has on the defensive side and like I said outside of Maurice French I don't believe that there's anyone in that pit locker room that that's doing that Kenny Pickett hasn't been too bad this year Kenny Pickett's been good he's but, thrown at nearly like seventy percent completion rate and so like fifty times a game yeah he's he's gone for over nearly nine hundred yards. I mean that's that's solid through through the start of the season. He's yeah. How many times he put it in the end zone? A couple, twice. Yeah. Like you need to score points, and you're gonna have to score points against this UCF team because you see how how easily they do. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I just Look, think lo- that logic. I mean, is with you, and I, I understand that. Pitt's averaging 14 points a game, and you that, compare that's that to UCF, which is 50. So yeah, I just they're not getting it done. Uh, like I mean, having said that, we thought that Penn State were probably going to blow them out. It's probably going to be closer than what I give them credit for. Where's the line at for that one? Twelve and a half. Oh, gee, that's big. I didn't think it would be that big. I could see, I could see Pitt covering that actually, but UCF is going to win that game for me. 
Okay, I am going on upset alert and I'm going back in pit. Okay. Uh, now, I'm going to jump ahead one because I know you're just going to be rock hard at the thought of this Oklahoma-Texas game. So we're going to jump to maybe the biggest game of the weekend and quietly the biggest game of the weekend. Number seven, Notre Dame, heads to number three, Georgia, in a game, you know, they do battle between the hedges Wow, I mean, this is a massive matchup this early in the season. Uh, Notre Dame will like their chances probably, and Georgia have got a chance to make a statement as the second best team in the SEC. Uh, you know the line in this one? Uh, it'll be close, I'm assuming. You it's would, a pick You would it? be assuming incredibly incorrectly. Really? Georgia heavy favourites? Two, more than two touchdown favourites. Whoa! 14 and a half, so... The pundit or the men in Vegas know something that uh, perhaps we don't. Or I mean, I would put Georgia as a favourite in this one. Georgia, a very good football team. Notre Dame are probably somewhat disrespected, but they're, they're not what they were last year. And that, to me, really stands out that there's there's something here saying that Georgia are going to win this one big time. And like I should be providing you with that analysis of what this is. But to me, that's that's a huge number, right? It's massive, and I don't understand. Uh, is it on the back? Of, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It's not like George has played anyone this year. Not at all, no. So they've gone Vandy, Murray State, Murray State, and I Arkansas think. State. Yeah. And they smoked Arkansas State, but it's Arkansas State. Yeah. And, and Notre Dame have played Louisville, who are better, and they're a Power 5 team, 35 17, and then crushed uh, New Mexico. Yeah. There's nothing there that you can read into that. Uh, I, I don't well, know. I, I mean, yeah. I mean Let, hmm. let's compare this one to the LSU Texas game, right? Because I always I, I I compare Notre Dame and Texas a little bit because they have that Ellinger Ian Book. I see those guys as similar style players. Do you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. I, they don't mind running the ball. They don't. Different offense, like Ellinger is just going to get called for a QB power four times on the goal line. You're not getting that out of Ian Book. He's He wants to pass first. He can He's run. He's still their leading rusher. Yeah, all right. yeah, but that's more a, a statement about their inability to, to run the ball. And maybe that is the big issue here for the men in the desert. I'm glad we could dig our way down. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> is that Georgia have been able to stop the run. But again, stopping the run against Murray State, Arkansas State and Vanderbilt is nothing really to write home about. I don't know. I'm taking Notre Dame to cover that, yeah. surely. Yeah, and I mean, that is the logical play again, but I like Georgia to go large here. Do you? Yeah, I, I think that they... I could see it being higher scoring than perhaps what people think. I don't, it's not like Georgia have, you know run the ball super well and we were talking a little bit off air that jake from just feels a little bit awkward not awkward awkward's not the right word but i just don't have full trust in uh in in him as a quarterback and i don't know what it is yeah he's when not I, that prospect superstar no. status that we have attached to like Tua or herbert or a few other guys. Yeah. Fromm's probably in that conversation, but it just doesn't feel right being in there. I mean, he's he's less dynamic, obviously, as a runner, because he's not a runner. He's your more stereotypical pocket passer, and, and he will go high in the draft, but I just don't know if it's warranted just yet. I, ugh, I, I don't know. I, I, I find that a really, really interesting call, and, and, and I like Jake Fromm, don't get me wrong, but then you see what Justin Fields is doing at Ohio State, and you're like, well, have they made the right call there? I don't know. 
but this is the same guy who led them to the national championship game as a freshman. So I'm, I'm certainly not criticizing and it just doesn't look quite a hundred percent in sync yet for Georgia. Uh, but it's hard to do that because of the teams that they've played. So how are we actually really going to know? Uh, the difference maker for me in this one is going to be DeAndre Swift. Yeah. I'm really big on this guy. I think he has a huge amount of potential and is going to be a massive force come Sunday football. Uh, and I think this is going to be an opportunity for him to really flex that. I think they're going to play him a little bit more because the game's going to be played a little bit deeper than what previously. So he's only had the 30 carries on the year so far, but he's averaging nearly 10 yards a carry. Like he's He is a specimen and he owns that Georgia backfield. And the dudes that have come out of there, like he was sitting in front of some of these guys when they were uh, playing alongside. He, he's a special talent, and I expect him to really feast this weekend. Yeah, and I think there's a couple of interesting matchups, and it's going to be potentially the Georgia offensive line. And can they create enough space for DeAndre Swift? Can they keep Jake from clean enough to get the ball out for him? And then I think on the other side, you're looking at, you know, a Notre Dame offensive line against the Georgia Bulldogs team that just doesn't allow teams to run the ball at all. And and then behind that, you've got a secondary that hasn't allowed a passing touchdown yet either. Uh, so you're going to probably take the runaway pretty comfortably if you're Georgia. Well, not comfortably, but you're going to hope you can take the runaway and then rely on Ian Book to beat you with his arm. I don't know if that's his go. I think, again, we talked about balance earlier. He has to have balance offensively. Um, this isn't an air raid offense. He can't just go out there and throw the ball 60 times and win a game. That's not how he's going to work. So, again, I'm taking Georgia. I think they do it, but two touchdowns is too much for me. I am going Georgia, but I think it's more than the two touchdown line that said that. Whoa. So what are you saying? Give me a score on that. Uh, I'm thinking somewhere in the vicinity of like 35-14. Okay, righto. I could see 35-24, something there. Okay. Uh, but that one should be an entertaining one, and it'll give us a real indication of where those two teams actually sit on the year, whether George is the real deal, whether Notre Dame is in fact, uh, you know, a little bit, maybe that quietness on their front from a media standpoint has been warranted. Okay, let's head down to the great state of Texas. Oklahoma State visits the Longhorns, the number 12 team in the nation. As we've mentioned, the line sits at two and a half, three and a half points. What are your thoughts on the Cowpokes chance? Yeah, I think that it's been kicked out to five now. So whilst it did open at three and a half and that was what triggered that, uh, obviously the gambling, and as I look at it now, it's out to six. So it was five this morning, it's kicked out to six. So all the money seems to be pouring in for Texas. Uh, and that just kind of, yeah, that's that's a really interesting indication of the line is set based off of a number of factors. There's obviously a lot that goes into it, into the handicapping, and then that changes based on the amount of money that's bet. Uh, and obviously, you know, Oklahoma State haven't been ranked at all this year, hasn't had much fanfare. Maybe if you listened to this show, you would have heard a little <laughs> bit more about them. Yeah. But... You know, in general, they've they've been under the radar. Texas have already had a marquee matchup. Everyone's around them, so everyone's pouring their money into them. I think this is a great spot for Oklahoma State. Is there any concern, obviously, around maybe not obviously, but around that defense? So, whose defense? 
the Oklahoma State defense. Absolutely, that's concerning. It's Oklahoma <laughs> State. Because they're a big 12 team. Well, no, it's just Oklahoma State. Yeah. Like, I mean, that would be... I mean, we could argue the same for both defenses, and obviously it's going to be a shootout if there ever was one. But Oregon State managed to move the ball on Oklahoma State. Tulsa certainly into you know into this the back end of the first half were able to move the ball and score points. Yeah, but McNeese struggled. <laughs> okay. So there's that. Let's factor that in. Okay, I think it was McNeese State as well. Whatever. Just keeping that in mind. Um, but Texas are doing a good good job on third down. They're converting fifty seven percent, which is pretty good. Well, I say pretty good. That'd be up there in the top in the country. That's not sustainable. That's not sustainable. Uh, I mean, you're looking at Tuba Hubbard to do a lot of the heavy lifting for you and hopefully Spencer Sanders can then work off of that. Oklahoma State, again, I assume, are going to look to run to set up the pass, which is a little bit out of system probably for them. Not so much this year, but in years past. Yeah, I mean, not so much though, because even like they've, they've had good running backs. They go back to yeah. Ken, Kendall Hunter, they, they bounced it off of him. When Oklahoma State have been a good team and, and have gone into double-digit wins, they've had a good running back. Yeah, Kendall Hunter, uh, there was my boy who ended up at Texas and then bounced out. He was there when I was there. Rondell, fuck, I should know this. Yeah, you should know this. Uh, and then recently, we've got Justice Hill, who was a really good running back. It'll come to me. Don't worry. I'll, yeah, I can't I'll get there. <laughs> but uh, they they have good running backs. They have productive running backs. And that is really what sets up the whole offensive game plan, is being able to get consistent yardage off of that. Because then you can run those bubble screens all the time, try and stretch it out. As soon as you do that, then you're running the ball more. As mm-hmm. soon as you do that, then in behind that, some space opens up. And That all sounds well in theory, but it just... But it, it's in practice as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. They, they average like 600 yards a game. Yeah. This well, happens every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Texas is better. I think Sam Ellinger is better. He's got better receivers on the outside with Colin ooh, ooh, ooh. with Colin Johnson, as in his entire array of receivers. I mean, I know you've got Tylen Wallace who is setting the world on fire just quietly, and I still think possibly Spencer Sanders, Tuba Hubbard, and Tylen Wallace could be the hottest trio in college football at the moment. I like that. Uh, but I just think that... Texas overall are going to get one or two turnovers and I think that'll be the difference. Okay. And I'm and we're talking a massive score. We're talking like 45 52 or something. It'll yeah, be and it could well be. I mean, we've had a lot of really close games with them. We've been super successful against uh Texas considering. I mean, if you go back into history when Texas were a powerhouse, you know, not so much the case. But whilst Texas have been down, even then, they've still had athletes and Oklahoma State have been doing really well. So, Joseph Randall, there it is. That's no, you my boy. got there. You got there. The penny dropped. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic going into this one, uh, but I think it's going to be a great game to watch. Yeah, for sure. Really entertaining high score. High score game, and if you hate defense, then this one's probably the one for you. I think Texas just make a few more plays at those key moments, but again, this 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 will have some funky moments in it because shootouts in the Big 12 always, always do. There'll be like a fourth and 21, and someone will get done for like pass interference or something and keep a drive going. And 
Have we picked anything the same this week? I'm a bit worried that we are just so far off of each other. Well, all right, let's have a bit of a look. So I took Utah. Uh, yeah, I think they'll win, but with no great confidence. I'm Okay, see, I'm quite confident in Utah. I'm taking Michigan with no great confidence. Uh, no, I'm Wisconsin, Wisconsin with the... ultimate confidence. <laughs> I've said Auburn comfortably. A&M. Uh, UCF comfortably. Uh, I like Pitt in the upset. <laughs> Uh, I'm taking Georgia, but I think it'll be tighter than the 14 points. I think it's Georgia in a blowout. And I'm saying Texas by less than a touchdown. And I'll say Oklahoma State by less than a touchdown. Okay. We're close there. Yeah, that's that's all right. Okay, other games that we may want to talk about or that we are going to talk about. Colorado at Arizona State. Any chance the Buffs bounce back after their disappointing loss to Air Force last week? Yeah, another potential letdown one coming back across the country for Arizona State, but I think they get the job done. Okay, Washington at BYU, the fortress that is Provo, Utah, or well, not, because they lost to Utah. Yeah, there. correct. Uh, anyway, I think um, Washington win this one. Yeah, I think so too. I like Zach Wilson, and I like that BYU uh, uh, offense, sort of. I like what they do on the outside. I think they lack a little bit in terms of dynamic playmakers. Uh, but, yeah, I think Washington do that pretty comfortably. Louisville at Florida State. Is there any reason to believe that Louisville won't win this game? Yeah, I mean, certainly this is a pick for me. i got no idea who's going to win that. I don't know where the line is on that one, but it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Louisville is almost goes in favour. There's nothing convincing about what Florida State is doing at the moment. Uh, so they'll be looking to, to bounce back and, and hopefully have a reasonable win, but I don't feel particularly confident in them. We've got Kentucky at Mississippi State. So you've got two teams coming off really disappointing losses. Kentucky will feel like they should have won their game. Mississippi State will feel like they should have won their game against K-State probably after a sloppy game in terms of turnovers and, and all those sorts of things. Uh who wins that one? I have Mississippi State in that one. Yes, I tend to agree, I okay. think. Uh, Mississippi State, I think, are, are sneaky good this year. And Kylan Hill is an absolute weapon at that running back position for the Bulldogs. That said, Kentucky are better than I thought they were going to be this year. I'll, I'll fess yeah. up to that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Missouri get a visit from South Carolina and which version of these teams are we going to get? Obviously, you've got Ryan Holinsky starting for the Gamecocks. Kelly Bryant, who's off to... Well, we got off to a shaky start and is now really settled in. Uh, is I'm, I'm going to take Missouri here and I think... Uh, you know, that Kelly Bryan and that offense can get going enough. South Carolina's running game has been somewhat solid and managed to move the ball a little bit against Alabama. But I think in Columbia, I am taking the Tigers. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, cool. Uh, is there any other games that you would like to discuss with any great detail? No, not in any great detail. Uh, I think that's been a great... Uh, showcase of the excellent matchups we have this weekend. We do. Now, of course, there's some other ranked teams playing. I'm not going to go into them, but you will be able to find them. Most of them appear like they are going to do things relatively comfortable, although we say that in college football, that is never the case. Championship draft time. It is. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, uh, for those people who are somewhat unsure about how this system works, so we are picking... Te- well, the fans... 
the the people this is a people show so the fans the supporters the listeners have got alabama and clemson which means we're screwed effectively we are picking week to week based on the score of hawaii and we're putting together a little uh cluster cohort group of teams i like stable stable of teams you do okay which mine at the moment sit as oregon oklahoma miami michigan wisconsin and yours are? Uh, I have Georgia, Washington, USC, Ohio State, and Utah. Gee, yours sound heaps better than mine. Um, and based on the amount of points that Hawaii score in their game from the week prior, we will make a pick. So they only put up 20 points against Washington on the weekend. Uh, so we as a result... outside of the 25. We pick outside the 25. Now... I haven't actually even thought about this, so let's just jump in. Before we do this, though, I want to add a wrinkle this week. Go for it. So I, I think as it goes on, I can see the writings on the wall. This segment's going to get pretty dull if we're just trying to pick winners, especially if Hawaii can't put up big points because it just ain't happening from outside the top 25 at this point. Maybe I'm still hopeful because Oklahoma State's in the 20, top 25, but it's probably not happening. So what I want to do is have a, a bit of a side one going on here. And at the end of this, with the teams that we go, we're going to add up the points that are scored based off of where they finish uh, in the final AP poll. And the winner will be the one with the most overall points. So if your team does finish first, they get 25 points. If they finish 25th, they get one point. Obviously, whatever it is in between there, unranked, zero points. So we will add teams now. And you're trying to end up with a group that is the highest ranked overall. Okay. I have got no confidence in this because teams that are collecting votes that are not in the top 25 uh, or if they're ranked kind of in order from there. So 26 would be K-State, 27 Oklahoma State, Army, Michigan State, Memphis, Wake Forest, BYU, Iowa State. Now, I've got no confidence in any of those teams and I was thinking about reaching from outside of that group. But I think your confidence in your boys to beat Texas on the weekend uh, and the fact that I've got currently got Oklahoma in the Big 12. So, I mean, if Oklahoma State can get over this, they'll probably drop one somewhere. But if they can get to Bedlam with one loss, they'll finish ranked at the end of the year. No worries. So I think I'm going to take your Cowboys, although oh, I'm not super happy about stealing it. Stealing my boys. I'm yeah. not happy about it either. Yeah, that I is, think that's where I'm going. That is, well, my that other hurts. choice was Michigan State, and their offense is excruciating to watch yeah and that's who i'm gonna grab i mean they're the other <laughs> ones so i'll take that i mean i'll welcome in some elite defense and they could provide an upset against a really good team too and that'll give them a bump in the rankings so disappointed to see my cowboys go but i will add michigan state to my team okay now if we could put both those teams together we probably would win the national championship they would be all right well <laughs> It still wouldn't be as good as Clemson or Bama. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, all right. So we will continue moving through the championship draft. And I feel like my group is an absolute hot, steaming pile mm, of shit. I disagree. It just got a lot better. <laughs> it didn't. All right. It is bold prediction time. Now, you've gone close a couple of times this year. Uh, I have not at all. So I'm not feeling confident in this, but uh, we'll get to me in a sec. So why don't you kick us off with your bold prediction? Okay, okay. so mine I'm titling this week, uh, They Ain't Close. Okay. And uh, I'm following a leaf out of your book. So from what you played last week, uh, I think you just shot your load a week early. Wouldn't be the first time. 
a week early. It, dude, it's it can be issue. a tough. It can be a tough stretch there in high school, you know. So what I'm calling here is that we have uh, three ranked matchups uh, where two ranked teams are going head to head, and my prediction is that in each of these, uh, the home team is going to win by more than two touchdowns. Okay. So Wisconsin are going to win by more than two. Uh, Texas A&M are going to beat Auburn by more than two. And Georgia are going to win by more than two. Okay, so what if it is 14 points? Ooh, call it. That's pretty close. (laughs) Okay. If all three get 14 or more, we'll we'll take that. Okay. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I don't think that's happening, but sure. Uh, All right, my bold prediction is I'm going nothing with any uh, skill whatsoever. So I'm just making this, and I'm calling it Strange Score Saturday. I'm going to say across all the games of of FBS football, whether they're playing a FCS team or not, there will be these three scores will exist somewhere. One team will score 11, one team will score 26, and a team will score 32. Now, if you know your ability to score those points in football, the 11 really has me concerned, but it could happen. That is my bold prediction. Okay. I mean, I haven't... Did it happen last week? Uh, I haven't looked... I mean, I haven't seen a team score 11... In some time, In yeah. some time. I don't think... I mean, what are That's you kicking? Th- three field goals in a safety? Yeah, absolutely. Is that, is that what's happening? No, a touchdown and two safeties. Or a touchdown going for two and a field goal. Yeah. That's I mean, no, it's still... No. Yeah. You're still pressing it. Yeah. So So they need someone needs to score eleven. Someone needs to score twenty six. Eleven feels like a Michigan State score. (laughs) Exactly. I'm really I'm really hoping for that. Uh, okay. So that is it for our bold predictions. As we're moving through very rapidly the back end of this particular episode, we are gonna head on the punt. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. No need to take it seriously, mate. We're just going to make money, hopefully, this week. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, All right. We are back for another week on The Punt. Uh, And this week, I am hoping to get a bit of help from you, my friend. Oh, wow. Okay. I want to bring you into the fold. Good good to see you've prepped me for this. Well, I want to catch you off guard a little bit because I I just want your snap response on what I should be doing here. Okay. Uh, You're be- getting desperate already. It's only I, week I am four. a little bit, yeah. <laughs> well, you got to keep going until you find the right recipe. You know, I'm I'm not said- too pig-headed to understand. I need a bit of help from time to time, so I'm bringing you on board to hopefully give me some sage advice. Okay. Uh, we're going back to the same recipe that we had last week. We've got three games. We're going to go three units on each of the games and then multi multi, multi yeah. them up. Yep. So the first one we're looking at is uh, Michigan Wisconsin. So. You've got most of the reasons uh, already based off of what I said earlier. We're taking Wisconsin by more than whatever it is, the three and a half, I think. Yeah. Uh, some trend stats to help back this one up are that Michigan are 0-6 against the spread in their last six games. That's not good. It's not. Uh, and they're 1-6 and in their last seven road games as well. Also not good. Uh, where the Badgers are 4-1 and against the spread in their last five. They're also ten and three against the spread in the last thirteen games following a bye week, which okay. we had last week. So, 
those to me are pretty pretty good numbers. I like Wisconsin in this one. Doesn't need to be the full fourteen here. We're only looking for three and a half. Yeah, I'll think they'll get that done. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Second one, I'm a li- little bit concerned. You might not like as much. Uh, I'm taking Stanford plus ten against Oregon. So Stanford have just come off a, a pretty bad beat at uh, yeah. UCF. They're traveling all the way back home. Uh, they are going home. They haven't lost at home this year. Yay. They have dropped a couple of games. They haven't lost at home. Uh, and I think they're going to surprise a few people and come up good in this one here. How? 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 Yeah. This is a team that struggled to move the ball. That Oregon defense is okay, not great, but okay. You got a Ducks offensive line that is just controlling everything uh, in front of them. Uh, I, I, I don't see it. Yeah, and and I guess that's kind of part. I mean, of it why is at like home. This. It is at home. Exactly I right. Guess. So Oregon at two and eight against the spread in their last ten road games. This is a team that lost forty-five twenty to USC. Uh, where we have Stanford a seventeen and five against the spread in their last twenty two following a loss. You know what that is? It's good coaching, and I have faith in David Shaw. So I'm backing Stanford in here. It doesn't feel right, and no. that's, and that's probably a good reason why to be on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean seriously, because yeah. when it feels right, it ain't going so good. So yeah, the ten points here probably doesn't feel like enough, right? That's why I'm all over Stanford here. We're going Stanford plus 10. So there we go. I've got Wisconsin, Stanford. Now I need your help. I've got two picks Didn't here. need my help with that one? No, no. no. <laughs> okay. That's a sure thing. Righto. I've got two picks here and I want you to tell me which one I should go with. Okay. This way I'm kind of offloading a little bit of responsibility. But you're also, yeah, okay. It's you're only giving me two. So yeah, it's not a yeah, full yeah. gamut of yeah, choice. Yeah. Yep. So first we have... Uh, Two real polar opposites here, I suppose. Uh, SMU at TCU. Yeah. So SMU are playing down at TCU and they are getting uh, nine points. Yeah. Which, you know, group of five against a power five. Mustangs have gone four and one against the spread in their last five games following uh, an against the spread win, which is is good. They're also four and one against the spread in their last five non-conference games. So they do do a right out of conference. Uh, the Horn Frogs seven and twenty against the spread in their last twenty-seven home games. So they are big underachievers at home. So whilst it's only the nine points, I SMU have put up a lot of points this year. TCU, uh-huh. whilst you, I know you think they're good, I, I don't uh, think ha- haven't don't shown think a lot. So. I don't think they're great. I think their defense is pretty solid, uh, which would lead me to have some concerns i also managed to run the ball pretty well last week and and actually have got off to a really good start on the ground with darius anderson uh so i think that i would take so, what, no, what are you no, saying no. it is no, no, no. So, so that's one option we're oh, taking sorry, sorry, smu sorry, sorry, plus nine you're taking smu plus that nine. yeah that's one option for for us oh, yeah right? okay we can go yeah, 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 yeah yeah your yeah, other yeah, option i gotcha, gotcha. is to take pittsburgh plus 12 against UCF so Pitter at home here uh, 4-0 in their last four non-conference 6-1 and in their last seven following uh, an against the spread win 5-1 and uh, in their last six home games against a team with a winning record 
I, I would be straight away. I'd be taking the pit one. I think uh, a home underdog twelve points is a lot, uh, and that would be where I would lean straight away. I don't exactly trust the TCU SMU game. I think there's too many variables in terms of scoring. And if TCU's defense dominates, which they could, then yeah, I think that goes that way. Okay, I'll. But, I'll lock but that I one would away, go. Then. I would go straight with. Pit, I think, to cover twelve and a half is a lot. Yeah, there it is. Okay, so to <laughs> recap, we have Wisconsin minus three and a half, Stanford plus ten, and Pitt plus twelve. Three units on each of those, plus one on all three of them. Multi. Thanks for your help, my man. Ooh, I, I feel nervous. I feel nervous. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our preview show for week four. Another lengthy one tonight. Uh, but it is my last show, well, from Australia, at least in probably the next couple of weeks. We'll have a couple of pinch hitters coming in. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to watch some games from a few thousand feet up. Uh, but please make sure you do get in touch with us on Twitter and on Instagram at CFB Down Under. Make sure you hit us up, say hi, uh, let us know how your college football viewing is going on Saturday. Uh, and enjoy a massive, massive, massive week. I will say hi to you from the land of the rising sun in the next couple of weeks. On behalf of that guy over there, Will Murden, my name is Aaron Kemp, and we will see you next time.